This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 74 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we have a big announcement, and make sure you have your tissues ready. Oh, please. But don't worry. You have to listen to the whole show to get that, so... We won't make you cry just yet. Instead, (laughs) we're going to talk to a horse trainer and entrepreneur, Shelby Dennis, on her experience working from the track and her knowledge of equine learning theory and how it's had an influence in how she starts her thoroughbreds. Leander Cooper, of course, joins us from New Vocations and brings us another fab training tip and introduces our adoptable horse of the week. Melissa Stellmacher is our listener of the week. If you would like to be our listener of the week, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Woo! We're almost through February? Is it almost? No, it's only halfway over. Only little, halfway over. No, a little more, a little more, because when this airs, it'll be after the 25th, and it's like almost March. Yes. Yeah. So we're at the halfway point. We'll see you guys as we're on the last week of it. So let's, you know, raise a glass to that. Thank gosh we're over winter. But Jamie, I have to tell you, we are having a mini heat wave. I mean, a 24 hour heat wave. We went from like single degree temps and now we're at 50 degrees today, you know, knock on wood, no one's colic yet and about to dive into an ice storm over the next 48 hours. Oh my gosh. But you know, all the snow and the ice melted today and melting snow gets you mud. So, which made me want to ask, how's your gray horse doing and how clean is she? (laughs) Gosh, it all, yeah, exactly. So, I have two gray horses. One is a two and a half year old Andalusian and his, and he, thank God he's still kind of dark. Maybe he'll grow out of it, but his favorite thing to do is to go, and again, it can be cold out. He's weird. (laughs) He'll go to the pond, which in Oklahoma, everything is like red, dirt yeah. and he'll just go like lay in the ponds in the middle Maybe of the day he's just going for that kardashian glow the yeah. natural minerals he's it's <laughs> like he's you know rubbing dead sea minerals into his skin to <laughs> stay happy but so he's a big pen but man this new thoroughbred filly i got she's so cool like i she actually she sleeps a lot i've noticed mm-hmm. that she sleeps a lot during the day she's always out mm-hmm. in a paddock and uh has you know there's a big round bale and like hay gets scattered around there and she will pick like a nice comfy soft place to lay down with no poop around nothing yep. dirty and she will lay down oh, god i feel like i should knock on wood because it's like the kiss of death no no rain jamie tonight. i gotta tell you i gotta tell you as as you being a gelding gal and i'm a mare mama over here <laughs> i've had mares my whole life i've only had one truly disgusting mare like or i'm like are you even a mare they they all like things so tidy so pristine really? and i'm like 
Easy. That's an easy win for me. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that because she is gray and she's really gray. Like she, her dapples are fading, you know, and, um, she is clean. Like every time I bring her up to groomer, I'm so, I'm just so happy. But again, kiss to death because it's supposed to really rain hard yeah. tonight. So maybe that'll change, but I hope not. But yeah. So this is like a mare thing. Not, Cause all oh my gelding, this is kind of the first mare I've ever bought. Really? Mm -hmm. So, uh, especially a gray mare, I think I had a black mare like 15 years ago, but I don't remember that. That wasn't a problem. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so this is like kind of a mare thing then. I I honestly play, I mean, I've had 20, 24 mares over my life and all of that, like, let's be real. There are some that are words that I can't say without putting in a swear jar, but they were clean. And I never swore about their cleanliness that yeah. I never had to do. Uh-huh. Um, there's always a couple exceptions here and there, but for the most part, my mares knew where they like to poop. They knew where they like to pee. They hardly ever poop in their buckets. They're just, they're tidy. They don't roll unless it's just nice and dry sand. So it's easy to brush off. I mean, I got to give it to them. They're, they're classy ladies. Oh, that is good to hear. Well, again, I hope it, hope it sticks around, but again, she's only two and a half and she's like, she's so dainty and clean Mm -hmm. and she likes things. And now she has a pink halter and really I decided that she looks good in turquoise. And so I bought her a turquoise saddle pad. And then I just bought some turquoise. That is the fun of a gray is you can do any color and also a bear do any color. Like it's a girl. And I'm like, we need pink. And then I got pink and I was like, you know what? Turquoise would look good on you. So I got turquoise um, saddle pad, but then I ordered some turquoise boots and first world problem. The turquoises don't match. It's a struggle. Back. Oh my God. It's a struggle. It it's is. like, it really is like <laughs> if you're trying to be matchy matchy, you got to pick a brand you like and you buy from that brand. Yeah. I have a couple that I like to do like Astrid's main colors are teal. Sometimes we get into like maroon wine colors in the fall, which surprisingly looks really nice on her. I've recently delved into yellow. I'm very okay. excited for spring for her. So she <laughs> has a spring do. line. <laughs> we, your horse has weather colors. Okay, she's, she's a seasonal girl. Yes, oh my, um, my saddle pad collection is is rising. And um, actually, after this call today, I'm going to go pick up an old armoire to convert it into a storage for all my saddle pads. Super <laughs> smart. You got to You know, it's got to do what you got to do. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, before we get to our first guest and we start talking about adoptable horses as well. More horses that you can have. Um, Let's hear from our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Did you know that easy keepers and horses on restricted diets are often at risk for vitamin and mineral deficiencies? Most easy keepers are maintained on hay and some get a few handfuls of grain a day. And most of these horses get little to no green grass. Diets that don't include significant levels of green grass or recommended amounts of fortified concentrates just don't supply enough vitamins and minerals. Many horse folks don't realize that hay alone, even high quality green hay, is not an adequate source of many vitamins. For example, when grass is cut and dried for hay, the vitamins quickly lose their potency. 
70% of the vitamin E found in grass is lost in the first week after it is cut for hay. One way to ensure that your special needs horse is getting all the vitamins and minerals he needs is to add a vitamin and mineral supplement to his diet. A well-balanced supplement will provide the nutrients your horse requires without adding unwanted calories, starches, and sugars. Microphase, made by Kentucky Performance Products, is a vitamin and trace mineral supplement that bridges the gap in your feeding program. With Microphase, your horse receives adequate and balanced vitamin and mineral nutrition without unwanted calories or other ingredients. The minerals in Microphase have been chelated, a process that protects minerals during digestion and increases their absorption in the intestine. Microphase provides vitamins, such as vitamin E, in a natural form, so your horse receives optimal results from this supplement. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. I'm super excited to welcome our guest. We have Shelby Dennis, who's a 26-year-old former exercise writer, now horse trainer and entrepreneur. She received her equine behavior consultant certification from the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. And today she applies her knowledge uh, from the track and equine learning theory to hone her skills as not just a successful horse person, but also how she creates a modern approach to her own style of horse training. Not only is Shelby a horse trainer, but she's also a successful social media influencer, and she started her own merchandise line, Milestone Equestrian, which has clothing, saddle pads, and ergonomic bridles designed for sensitive horses. Shelby is based in Fraser Valley of British Columbia with her horses Milo, Banksy, Harlow, and Pogo. So welcome to the show, Shelby. I'm super excited to have you back on the show. Last time we spoke with you was at the Retired Racehorse Project Thoroughbred Makeover, I think in 2019. And we really focused on you and your horse and that process getting him there. We've never really had a chance to really talk about you because you're such a phenomenal horse trainer. I love what you do. I love seeing you on social media and the things that you're promoting. Tell our audience a little bit about who you are and how your experience as an exercise rider has led you to how you train thoroughbreds today. Thank you again for having me on here. I'm so happy to be invited again. I love working with thoroughbreds and it's a huge passion of mine. So connecting with like-minded people is always great to do. Yeah. So just a little bit about me is that I'm a Canadian located in British Columbia, Canada. I live in the Fraser Valley. It's very beautiful here. I've grown up here and ridden here my whole life. And I started out riding and showing Arabian horses. And then the transition from them to thoroughbreds was kind of natural because there's a lot of similarities, but the racetrack definitely was a huge adjustment, definitely coming from any type of riding to going to the racetrack. It's just a completely different sport and the horses are way more physically taxing to ride. Interesting. So I, the, yeah. Sorry to jump in there. So I started out in Arabs too. And uh, so I'd love to get your insights. I've never been an exercise rider. Honestly, I am too much of a chicken. I mean, I love dressage and my horse wants to be a jumper and I'm trying to like muster up some bravery to do that. How did, how would you say like, it's so different going from more like traditional riding, especially on a spicy era. We all know that how quick they can be and they're so athletic and so smart. Tell us a little bit about like what that took to transition into exercise rising. So it was like interesting because like I kind of overestimated how 
like how good I would be as an exercise rider. Like I went into it with the mindset of like, I'm a strong rider. I've been riding for many years and I've ridden lots of different types of horses. And at that point I'd also ridden thoroughbreds off of the racetrack, like recently retired ones when I first got into galloping. So I thought it was going to be easier, but when you actually get on the amount of like physical labor, it is to like ride a racehorse versus like a riding horse it's like a different ball game like Hmm. riding my arabian around our goal is to have them like light and like soft and like not hanging off our hands and not going fast and you want them to have like a rhythm whereas race horses are much more like explosive and you're trying to actually hold them back a lot of the time and you just don't have the muscles you need to stay in like a jockey position from riding basically in any other sport like it's so physically taxing that's kind of what blew me away is how unfit I was and that's one of the biggest barriers getting into it I think is getting fit in the way you need to be able to ride safely amazing I know that's something I never would have I mean it makes sense you think about it but you don't think about it and we talk about being fit we had hay bells and barbells on to talk about riding fitness in a rider and it, it's true. It's it's not like your normal half seat. And we all know how long that takes to develop those muscles to ride your half seat beautifully. You're in a completely different position going so much faster than you're used to going on a very young and strong horse. So that's really fascinating. So taking that into account, do you also believe like there needs to be a certain element of fitness when bringing them off the track? I think that like when you're working with them off the track, it's very different. Like the way that I like to compare it to people is like someone such as myself riding at the racetrack. There's no way I'd be willing to get on any racehorse in just like a halter with like the lead rope tied on the reins and take them out on the racetrack. Cause I know I would get bolted on probably, and it would be very dangerous. But even if I had a racehorse directly off the track, like I would consider hacking them bareback in a halter. Cause once they settle into that new lifestyle and they're off the track and it's different, they're never as hot as they are on the track. And like, I've like, that's just an example of how much more I would trust them in a different environment because they're just typically so much quieter. So I just change things up so much once they're off the track that I've never actually had one ever off the track feel like how out of control they can when things don't go right on the racetrack. That's super fascinating. I think there's such a stereotype with thoroughbreds that they're nuts and crazy and hot. And like, they are sensitive. We can agree that they're sensitive horses. They're very in tune to their environment. They're very expressive. I mean, so are Arabians. We know that as well. They're not for everyone. And we're never promote there for everyone. There's that's why there's so many breeds out there. I just think it's really fascinating that I would love to dive deeper, I guess, into what you mean by changing things up. Like it's almost like they have an on off switch from track to out this track. So what are some of the things you like to do to mix it up for them? So when I take them off the track, one of the first changes I would make in their typical lifestyle is just like immediately turning them out and not having them be stalled 24 seven. So I'd say that's a huge factor in helping them wind down because when you're at the racetrack, you're pulling them out of a stall where they've been since like yesterday, other than maybe hand walking in the morning. And then like the track is their only means of physical exercise. So if it were me too, I would be stir crazy and kind of nutty, especially when you're working in the same environment that you're raced in. And like, they know the drill once they have their jobs, they know that like when their martingales come off, that they're probably going to be working. They know what the gates mean. And like other horses can also set them off in that environment a lot easier than in a barn environment. So there's a lot more control, I think in the arena and the overall environment in most 
typical riding facilities is a lot quieter than the racetrack. And I think that the problem people run into when they do get off the track thoroughbreds where they're hot and having problems is generally related to like a lack of understanding of how they're handled on the track. And then they end up confusing the horses and then inadvertently stressing them out. And then they kind of will what they do to handle the resulting stress sometimes actually facilitates creating further lasting stress. If that makes sense. No. Oh my gosh, Shelby. I love it. That is like the whole mission of this podcast is to educate our, our first year on here was to kind of give the background of the X race horse and the things that they go through. And I, I was just on a different interview um, earlier for on a different podcast. And we talked about how it's a completely different language that they learned from the traditional horse coming into a sport horse career. One thing that I know with my mare, when I got hers, I couldn't understand why she was so pole sensitive. I just assumed like, well, she's hot or like maybe her teeth bother her. So I had her teeth checked out and it's like, truthfully, there was so much, well, her handling was probably a little more rough than how she would like it to be. So she was learning to anticipate being pulled, being tugged, having this pressure applied to make her do something. So she will automatically rear or get really fussy mm -hmm. in the head. Not all trainers are like that, but some are heavier handed than others. I think we can definitely agree for sure. Mm -hmm. So you have a degree in equine learning behavior Tell us how that has changed how you look at maybe more traditional training for horses. Okay. Yeah. So I'm actually like, I'm almost done my certificate of equine science through Guelph university, but not quite. I have two more courses to do and I've just been putting it off because it's been way too busy, but like I've specialized in behavior as like my main focus. So I've done like the advanced equine behavior and whatnot through there. And that's really what started to shift how I did things because I learned how horses actually like learn the information we teach them and how different chemicals of the brain interact and with their associations of how we train them. And at first I was quite defensive and it wasn't something that I really agreed with and that I wasn't too sure that it was like actually going to be successful in a sport horse lens. So it was hard to be open to that. And I think that for me, the biggest change was actually working with my rescue horses and then also the thoroughbreds and seeing how misunderstood they were. It made me want to work harder to understand them so that they didn't have to worry as much. I love that. And I think it kind of digs deeper into those reactive tendencies of, I love how you put it, like they're just getting confused and I'm sure you can agree from your experience working with thoroughbreds. They love to please like they're hard workers. Oh, yeah. They want a connection. They want to understand what they, is being asked of them, which is what makes them so great and versatile and different disciplines. But I would love to dig a little bit deeper of like, do you have any specific examples of different training techniques you've used or behaviors you've noticed yeah. that where you were able to switch over? Like what were some of those standout moments where it was like, aha, I get it. I'd say a big one that I noticed with like the X race horses specifically is like when you're riding them on the racetrack, you mount them and they're just allowed to walk out off after. So a lot of people will have mounting block problems with them when they have them off of the racetrack and they'll get, they'll handle it how they would with a typical riding horse that's kind of misbehavior and try to correct them too much. And then it can stress the horse out in a way that kind of sets the tone for their whole ride. And then they always have stress associated with riding and it can be something as little as that. And I've found that like, 
using positive reinforcement to kind of retrain them to like pause because they're always in such a go-go mentality at the racetrack. You have to kind of reteach them like, Hey, like we're actually just going to be hanging out. And I've found that using like the rewards based methods and like my scientific background of horse training has really helped with kind of developing the basic level of like letting go of that stress and just being able to exist with you peacefully and calmly without having stress behaviors and that is like the key to everything in my opinion because if your horse can't get like calm from their person and learn how to let go of anxiety when they experience new things that might stress them then they're going to have a difficult time adapting to new environments but if you can teach them to feel safe with you and take that moment and take that breath and let go of like what could be chronic stress then they become way easier to work with and so like for when I get racehorses a lot of what I do in the beginning is literally just rewarding like very basic bare bones foundational behaviors like standing still when tied standing still with me in the arena walking around and like when they get sharp like pausing and kind of half halting in a halter so that I don't have to shank them or resort to stuff like the lift chain or a chain like what they would be using at the track oh my gosh I love that I love this concept and I want to pull this out of everything you said the teaching and the power of the pause like this mm-hmm. moment of like you're not rushing into the next thing you're not going into this regime that you've been taught from the track is we're going to pause And it automatically like starts the wheels in their brain a little bit more. They start really thinking like, what are you about to ask me? And you can see it like they're very curious, which is one of the things I love most about them that like, I feel like we could really get in the weeds on some things and be like a two hour episode tonight. Mm -hmm. But for those who most of us have a traditional trained background, applying pressure, making, I hate this term because I'm also, I love positive reinforcement training as well. There's a time I believed in like getting your horse to submit or seeing you as a leader. That's come from a lot of us with those backgrounds. How can you start to adjust your behavior as a rider and as a trainer, a guide? I'd love to use the term guide for thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you recommend starting to shift that behavior from a more traditional path into becoming more equipped to guide your horse into their second career? I would say the best way I would word it is that you have to start thinking of training as you and your horse versus the problem rather than you versus your horse. Because when we're asking our horses to do something and they don't want to do it or training doesn't go as planned, it's easy to look at the horse and be frustrated and go, you're not doing what I want. I'm mad at you. And then you're inadvertently blaming the horse for their reaction. But when you start to look at it and go, Hey, my horse is upset because they're nervous, frustrated, scared, confused. And how can I better help them address the problem we are trying to solve? And then it puts more pressure back on the person because we take more accountability for our own behavior and how we train. And it also is kinder to the horse because instead of going, they are behaving badly, this is upsetting to me and I'm angry. You're looking at it and going, okay, like they're telling me something and we need to take that information and try to do this a little bit differently. And that it's kind of the pause moment for the people too, because it's really easy to get mad when you get frustrated and just take it out on the horse. And unfortunately doing that is very reinforcing to people because it lets you take out the emotion of frustration on an, an animal that can't say no and speak back to you. And it makes it more likely to happen in the future then. But if you pause that moment and you go, okay, like, 
things aren't going well. If I lose my temper now and get mad at the horse, it's not showing them what to do correctly. It's only showing them what to do wrong. So how can I help them find the correct answer? Or should we take a break and come back to this? Because if they're too stressed to learn, we won't get anywhere either. Oh, I love that. Pause yourself too. It's huge. Like, and I mean, you can apply that to any part of your life, right? Anytime you have these moments of I'm feeling overwhelmed, stressed, frustrated, whatever it may be like that moment of like, take a breath, take it in and just pause to think about the situation. And we can definitely do that with our horses. I think that's so critical. I know we're coming up to time, Shelly, but I think it's really important. We talk about this too. Let's talk about your thoroughbred Milo because he was not the easiest horse for you. And I think it led you onto this entrepreneurial path of even creating some custom tax for horses Mm -hmm. like him. So tell us a little bit about Milo, how you got him, some of his quirkier parts and where you are today. (laughs) Milo, I adopted from the SPCA back in 2014 when he was only two years old and he had been seized from a neglect case and was severely underweight when he came in. He was just a one and a half on the body scale. So they brought him back to like relative health. He was still thin when I first met him, but he was all right. He'd been started on handling and he was halter broke, but not well and still very nervous of people, but much healthier than he was when he came in. And We didn't know much about him or his breeding or anything other than that the stallion on the property was supposed to have been a thoroughbred stallion. So that's really all we know about him. We don't know if they were breeding for racing or like what the plan of the people who had him was. And there's just something about him. I wasn't looking for a horse that young. When I saw his ad, I was like, I need to go look at this horse. And I just felt the need to go regardless of where he was. Cause with horses on the SPCA website, they don't tell you exactly where in the province they are. So I was prepared to like road trip to see him. And he happened to be really local. And then when I went to go see him, I liked his personality. I liked the way he looked and he was very curious, even though he was really afraid of people. So I just had like, I just had a feeling that I was like, I need to get this horse and filed the adoption application the same day that we looked at him and then kind of the rest is history but the reason why he's contributed to how I've adapted my training so much is because of how he responded to the methods that I'd been taught before like if you pushed him too hard he would then round on you and get like aggressive and wouldn't respond well and you couldn't make him do anything like if he really didn't want to do something he would fight you on it until your last breath and he would probably win and it led to a a lot of very stressful and angry training sessions in the beginning but then it became very clear to me like hey like what I've been taught isn't working like this isn't very successful and then I started looking into like equine sciences and looking for new information because I was like hitting a wall and not getting anywhere and then that's how I started taking behavior classes and really tried to start applying more science-based tactics and taking a deep breath and calming down and trying to be patient instead of like always looking for like the destination and trying to rush. But it's been a long process throughout like several years of owning him because I'd say even within the last two years, my perception of horse training has shifted a lot. That's amazing. And not a path everyone would go down. I think a lot of people are so set on their writing goals, which isn't wrong. Like you have what mm-hmm. makes like what you value, but in that case, when it doesn't go as easy and you, and anyone who's interested in learning more about Milo's, his growth and becoming the horse he is today, you can check out Shelby's YouTube, but it, that, that says a lot about you of like, you were eager to learn the tools necessary because you saw something really beautiful and bright in him. So good on yeah. you for that. 
Yeah. I'm thankful for him. (laughs) Yeah. Like you two obviously have a really strong bond and then you created milestone equestrian, which is your training brand, but also you created a a bridal line as well for horses who are sensitive. Yeah. So for that, my motivation, like for the bitless bridal, I named it after Milo because it is for him. Like he does prefer to be ridden bitless or bridalless and he's quite like sensitive in the face and doesn't like sweating underneath of leather or if the leather touches his ears too closely. So I wanted to make a good looking bitless bridle that could pass as like, like it looks similar enough to a bitted bridle that it follows the same stylistic preferences and looks nice. So people could feel good about using it for like photo shoots and like regular riding instead of always putting a bitted bridle on, because this is what I've had to do in the past with my horses, even if I'd prefer to have ridden them bitless. So that was for him. And then I made the same type of bridle where the intention was to be more comfortable on the horse's face and have like a padded pole piece that is cut out for the ears that it's not going to touch their ears and then the nose band is formed around their cheekbones so that it's not going to rub against them but the biggest thing that I did was making the nose band a regular nose band without any crank or like drop nose band or flash nose band because basically all of the anatomical bridles I've ever seen either have a flash or a drop nose band and I wanted something where if people wanted didn't need a flash and they wanted something really light not involved like that doesn't trap their horse in a certain position with their jaw and where you could actually have the freedom to feed your horse while they're wearing the nose band without it impeding their ability to open and close their jaw. I felt that people deserve to have that option instead of always having to buy bridles where you're having to like cut the flash off or have to get like a drop nose band that you don't actually want that you leave too loose because you don't need it. And I wanted to provide something at like a fair price for people that didn't want the extra bells and whistles of like a flash or a drop nose then. Amazing. I love that you saw that's, and I've been looking at the bridles. I'll probably be purchasing one myself. I have to be honest for my sensitive girl, but yes, they're beautiful. They are cost affordable, but it mostly it's true. There are some horses who don't need all the extra pieces. There's horses who are sensitive in the pole, sensitive to pressure, or just don't like to have a lot on their face. I mean, my horse would definitely prefer to have no nose band if we were allowed to show like that. So I love that you saw that need in the market and are providing it and just really working towards a more holistic partnership for horse and rider. So Shelby, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If people want to learn more about you, where's the best place they can find info? I'm everywhere. So if you want to find me on Instagram, my Instagram is sdequus. It's S-D-E-Q-U-S. And my TikTok is also the same with my Twitter. And then on Facebook, I'm Milestone Equestrian. And my YouTube is just my name, Shelby Dennis, if people want to look that up. And you can find me there as well. But yeah, I'm on pretty much every social platform. And Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. And we can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank you again for inviting me. And I'm so glad to have been on the show. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From candle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. Time to welcome to the show Leandra Cooper from New Vocations Racehorse Adoption. Leandra, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, as usual, we like to pick your brain with a training tip and never, ever give you a heads up of what we're going to talk about. We literally just called you and here you are. So (laughs) without further ado, before we get to talk about discreet heat, our adoptable horse, um, 
I, I recently purchased an off-the-track thoroughbred. And I do train a lot of off-the-track thoroughbreds as well. And probably 15% of them have a certain reaction. And maybe that you're in Kentucky, people are more enlightened, and this never happens. But I have received, and it's been more recently. I don't know why. It's just cyclical, I guess. I've had a lot of horses that in their life, and we know horses never forget, these horses Mm -hmm. have been whacked in the face. And so any sudden movement with your hands or any motion, like a broom going up or something, they flinch. And I mean, this mare that I bought, you can wave your arms 20 feet away. And she's like, Oh my God, this is going to hit me in the face. So I don't know if she was hit in the face once or hit in the face a hundred times. It doesn't matter sometimes. So what do you, first of all, do you guys have that experience? Yeah. Every once in a while, we definitely don't get it as much in Kentucky as in other locations. I started with new vocations running the New York facility, and I would see it a little bit more up there. But we still get horses who are head shy or who are more reactive to any sort of sudden movements around their head, like you said. And I would say, first and foremost, I always try to make sure that there isn't some vision issue involved, like maybe they can't see properly. And so that's like something that is actually startling them because they just can't see it. They can't prepare by being able to see it. And then I, as with any other thing that, that a horse has learned, like a learned behavior, the only way to change it is to reprogram that part of the brain where if they've had it for a while, it's going to take a longer time, more work to try to undo that. And as far as reprogramming goes, you, especially when it's a negative stimulus like that, I mean, they tend to hold on to those because they're risk averse, just like any of of us, but especially because they are prey animals in general, like, and, and their instinct is to, to react, not like process what's going on, right. that their brains are made to look for those danger pattern. And so it is really hard to change that. It's not something that can happen in a short period of time in my experience. But one of the things I like to do that you can tell people, and it's sort of like a good tool, there's nothing that's going to replace time, but is to wait for the horse to kind of invite you to touch their face. So when there are newcomers at the barn, one of the things that I might tell them to do, just because you never know which horses they're going to have a meltdown if you try to just go right for their face and they have a blind spot right in the middle so it's like you kind of it would make sense if that startled them but like you're saying with the horse that you're describing more than that that when you're approaching them to pet them on the neck and a lot of horses like if they're comfortable with it they'll turn towards you and invite you to touch their Mm -hmm. head and then just trying to keep things quiet and use positive reinforcement to try to stimulate that reward part of the brain that's like, oh, this happened and it was a good thing. And a person touched me in the face and it was a bad thing. So that whole mental process, like I said, there's nothing that can really replace time and repetition with the positive reinforcement to create that new neurologic pathway for them, especially if they've been doing, they've known that negative pathway for a long time. So it's like a really big path, a very well-trod path. So you're going to have to start a new, um, blaze a new trail with the positive side of things so that when that, when they have that stimulus, that they are not always 
saying like, okay, well, I know that this means something bad and I'm freaking out. I love that yeah. you say neuropathway because I, I try to think of the, the horse's brain as like, okay, it's like a filing cabinet, right? And you slide out the filing cabinet, you open it up and all these pictures, right? Like so the horses like can see things in pictures, right? The earliest pictures that they have right in there are of getting, say, whacked in the face. And so it's mm -hmm. your job to, like, replace, put, like, a hundred pictures in front of that one. So those are the first and foremost that are in the front of that filing cabinet. But you know what? It sounds so much more intelligent if I talk about neuropathways. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> there are some things, like, they're used to, like, very specific setups, right? Like, people hype. So they might be like, people bad, you know, and it could be very simplistic. And you can change things up to try to, like, simulate new development. Like, crouch down. Don't, like, explode out of the crouch down. I would say, like, if you're near a horse who's getting nervous, like, you could try to, like, just get lower because that's, like, a little bit more of a submissive pose, but you also don't want to be, like, a crouching lion that can't pounce on them. <laughs> like, I would say, like, sort of crouch down and then back away. Sort of let them process it and then maybe come up. Or like do that a couple times, but then like back away. Don't immediately like go from touching them after that. It's about getting those like levels of okay zones to be closer and closer. You say go forward and back. It's like the approach and retreat. Remember, like a predator yeah, never exactly. retreats. Uh, so yeah, if you exactly. approach and retreat, you're proving you're not a predator. And you say it's interesting. You say about getting a little bit lower because I've even seen where if you have a severely hedgehog horse, if you can usually touch them from the back of another horse because that nothing bad has happened when the humans up there. And like you're saying, nothing yeah. bad has happened when the humans down here. It's just kind of right, right in the middle. Right. That's a great yeah. area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially often you can sort of watch their reaction, but the key is the, the patient and of course time with the positive reinforcement. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you for coming and sharing that with us. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about Discreet Heat. And I have a couple of comments to make about his videos. First of all, the trot on this horse is amazing. <laughs> I'm watching him loose in your covered arena. I, 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 I have a question. Has any horse ever actually jumped out of there? Because he looks like he gets enough speed and he just goes, not yet. And now I feel like I should really knock, <gasps> knock on, on wood. Yeah, not yet, but we have had a few break the latches. So I've had to replace the latches a few times, and I, I feel very confident about the ones that are there. But again, not the end wood and crossing your fingers as I say that, uh, because that surely is not fun. When they're like, high speed, here's a door, not breaking speed enough, and then it just pops open. They say, oh. Yeah, he, he definitely has some energy and speed, but uh, he's also a, a quite the lovely mover. So his name, bar name is Pierre. How'd you guys come up with that? I somehow knew you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> so when he came to us, he, his forelock was cut straight across. So he looked very like Euro cool. I mean, sometimes it looks really dorky. Oh and for him, we were like, oh, he is a French boy. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is Pierre. <laughs> I did not just, think you were going to so. go with that. I did not no. know. You never know. Oh, that's Those great. are some of the best ones, though, that like clearly have nothing to do with their actual registered name. It's usually a story. <laughs> yeah, I knew there would be. Well, tell everybody about him. What's his story? Well, he was claimed to retire to us, which is always a really nice 
story because that means that some race connections were sort of watching him and really wanted to make sure that he ended up in aftercare system and not into some miscellaneous future. Oh, wait, so people um, will claim horses and send them directly to you guys? Correct, yeah. Oh, my that's God, that's so cool. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, it is really cool. And it just those stories are always some of the most heartwarming because, again, I think there is sometimes people have a stigma against sort of race connections and everything to do with that. But this is a perfect example of how these horses are so loved that even once they're out of somebody's direct care or direct ownership, mm. there are people who love and track them their whole lives and will watch and say, oh, it looks like they're not doing well. They're not staying competitive. And so they really don't want them to go to some lower level tracker to keep dropping down and keep racing. So Pierre, discreet, he, he had 54, and that's a lot. He's a classified war horse at that point. Didn't earn a whole lot. Like, did fairly well, but but certainly was not continuing to be successful. So was Let me stop you right there, to. okay? Let me stop yeah. you. Because you said he didn't do that well, and because you're in Kentucky. If he was in Oklahoma, <laughs> he would be, like, this super derby champion. He won 161,000, <laughs> and in Kentucky, they're like, meh. <laughs> and here we'd be yeah, like, no, that. He was there. the greatest Oklahoma racehorse of all time. Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to interrupt there, but I, mean, I got to give no, you perspective. <laughs> we know that's always good to keep us humble, certainly. Well, he is definitely a winner in our books, too. We could not possibly love him anymore. This is a horse who dealt with me, like putting my hat on him, and he just stood there happily for a picture. He is uh, very level headed, he's truly an old soul. He is, it's getting so hard for me to remember, like, the math with the years. He's a 2014, when I immediately think, oh, he's seven years old, but he's eight years old technically now. Mm -hmm. He's just over 16, too. He's very uphill, and you can see in the videos, he still has this uphill way of going, and which is harder and harder to come by, I feel, like a true uphill horse. Mm -hmm. And he's really straightforward to ride, like, doesn't want to argue about things, is really just happy to be around you, even in the free lunge video. It was hard for us to like keep him away from us because he just wanted, but he is very willing to go along and do whatever you want to do. He's um, happy to have a leader and to have that be his people and just really a pleasure to work with. He's got a goofy personality. He's not just all business, but he just has this old soul about him so that he is just very adaptable and very willing to go in whatever sort of direction his, his people want him to go, whether it's like you can see in one of the videos, us trotting him, hand trotting him over the ground pole. And he was like happy or lucky about it. That was hilarious. But if you watch this video of Pierre and they jog him over one pole, he goes over the pole. <laughs> it's fantastic. But I'm pretty sure it's you in the background going, woohoo! Oh, yeah. I had to mute the sound for it because it was like people would have been like falling out of their chairs when you could hear me being like, that's great. Yeah. I do find that most of these war horses tan, tend to be old souls. That's how they can mm -hmm. keep going yeah. this whole time. But his Absolutely. name is Discreet Heat. He's on the New Vocations website, horseadoption.com. He's in the Kentucky division. And uh, yeah, he is very beautiful. He looks very like a very classic thoroughbred. 2500 bucks, and he's yours. Sound and healthy and ready to go. And he earned a, a ginormous amount $161,000 thank you very much <laughs> thank you Leander go ahead
Well, before we lose Leandra, I think you guys are getting ready for your open house and barbecue as well. Is that correct? We we are. We are now gone. So it is generally annual, and now it's, we haven't been able to host it these last couple of years because of just the state of everything with COVID. So it is back this year will be our 30th anniversary year because New Vocations was founded way back when in 1992. And we are trying to just go as big as we can, so it should be a blast. It'll be April 29th. It goes hand-in-hand with the Land Rover event. So if you're going to be in the area or if you just want to come see us and you don't even care about Land Rover, that's okay, too. <laughs> but it should be a blast. We're going to have some little mini clinics, and so there's going to be informational stuff. Rosie Naprovnik is going to be one of the people doing a little mini clinic. It's going to be a total blast. Good food, good music. You get to walk through the barns and it's such a good time. I'm so excited that it's back this year. Amazing. Well, and people can buy tickets on horseadoption.com. Check it out. It's such a fun event. Jamie and I got to go in 2019 and would love to do it again. So thank you so much, Landra, for jumping on with us and sharing all your amazing knowledge. We appreciate it. Love ya. <laughs> Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> I don't even know how to begin this, Jamie. I mean, normally you start it, but I think we have to start with our news first. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joy, when we started this podcast, it was when I was signed up for the makeover and we started it, I believe, early 2019. And when you guys approached me, I'm like, this is amazing. A whole show about retired racehorses. I was like, we'll go. We can do this until I go to the makeover. And then like people liked it. And so we kept doing it and kept doing it. And now it's 2022, which is insane. And we've been doing this for quite some time. And I know it it's been... actually our, our three-year anniversary today. Oh my yeah. gosh. That, it just makes me feel worse. So <laughs> what I've realized is I... Uh, as amazing as this is, and and it's going to be so hard for me to let it go, I'm going to have to step aside and we're going to bring in another host so I can concentrate mm-hmm. on all the horses. I mean, there I have so many rescue horses here and race horses and young horses, and I just can't seem to get it all done. And enough do something better instead of do mm-hmm. a lot of things okay. Like... You do I'm, all the work for this show. Everybody who's listening, Joy does everything. I just show up and she has done everything. And I, I'm not doing a great job. I'm not helping you out at all. Like I just show I mean, up. I'm late most of the time. It's a mess. Well, I mean, I like I told a guest earlier today, we're losing you to a great cause, actually completely in line with the mission of the show. And it's to continue to advocate for these horses and help them retrain to their second careers and find their forever home. So if there was ever a reason to lose you, that wasn't the lottery. I'm okay with this. I'll take that one too, though. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, we all would. So it's definitely a a sad thing, but it's been an amazing journey with you. Thanks for taking a chance on this. I remember pitching it to Glenn and it it seemed very surreal. It was just going to be a a 20, 30 minute show of just offering horse tips. And I feel like we've talked to so many people all around the world and really built up this community. So thank you for all that you've done and have been a part of this and we'll continue to support you. We'll have you as a guest now. How fun is that? I would just be in the other side of the interview. That would be great. I'll have a bad connection and I would be late and And make sure that dog is barking in the background. please. (laughs) 
dog's barking. It'll be great. I'll pay everybody back for all the things we've had to listen to. But I will still keep doing horses in the morning. So I'm not leaving. We're not losing Jamie forever. The whole network. It's just we record this show at 5 p.m. My time. And it's getting lighter later. And I'm just not finished with all the horses. And it sounds like a great problem to have. And it it is. I just Mm -hmm. I want. Oh, your business has grown and that's amazing. And that's such a huge accomplishment. And like I said, I know you'll always be a supporter. We're excited to have you on as a guest and potentially maybe you'll even guest host here and there when we need you. Absolutely. I will please. Yes. And um, I listen, I know everyone's a fan of Jamie and for those who aren't, we don't want to hear from you anyway. So get out of here. (laughs) I don't mind. (laughs) Um, but we are really excited. I'm not going to reveal who the new host is. You'll have to tune into our next episode, but I can tell you they're great. You know them. It's, it's going to be a good thing. So we're really excited to keep the show going and we wish you all the best, Jamie. Oh, thanks. Love you, Joy. Love everybody involved. Thank you so much. Everybody who's listened and become a part of this retired racehorse community family. It has been an honor to get to know all of you. And again, I'll maybe just stepping back a little bit, but I'll still be here. So Joy, thank you again for everything. You're amazing. Our title sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. I mean, oh my gosh, Cashel has been awesome. What great companies to work with. They, the KPP is just Karen over Kentucky performance products lives and breeds the horses and the thoroughbreds. And she's a business do you need to be supporting, not just because she makes phenomenal products. I mean, my horse is on them. Jamie, your horses have been on Kentucky performance products. We use them ourselves, but I just made an order today. Actually, <laughs> Karen, she is someone who legitimately cares and loves horses to the bottom of her heart. And if there's ever a business to support it, I mean, she's top of class in that. Uh, yeah, she has. And she believed in us. And, and um, mm-hmm. Karen, we thank you for everything that you've done. Well, hey, signing off. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests <laughs> on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Also, keep up with all these horses. If you are looking for horses to adopt and you didn't adopt one of the new vocations ones, you can find all of these adoptable horses on my Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. You can also email me with any questions or anything, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. And you can email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. We did it before, but it's worth doing again because they're so amazing. Thank you to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows. There's a bunch of new ones out there, guys. Like seriously, we, we've yeah. blown up this network. Check it out at horseradionetwork.com. <sighs> last time oh my gosh uh, it's not last time it's just it's a pause keep, yeah it's be pause. here next week <laughs> i'll be here like you're not getting rid of me sorry y'all uh, <laughs> your goals high and love to learn from every ride and spay neuter and geld love you guys bye guys love you joy love you